Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. Be yourself. Play your strengths. Don't try to be someone you're not. Don't try to push yourself in a square hole if you're a round peg. Just bring your truest, genuine self and see how much you can shine by doing that. It's time for Women Who Code Conversations, a segment to hear from top technology professionals sitting down with a Women Who Code member to discuss real-world experiences in the industry, what they've learned over the course of their career, and what they think is coming next for tech. Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Rashmi Murlidharan. I'm a leadership fellow with Women Who Code Cloud Track. I'm a software engineer with VMware. I'm here to moderate this podcast with Mansi Shah. Mansi Shah is a technologist with over 15 years of leadership experience in enterprise products. She's currently at VMware building their storage and data SaaS services. She has authored 18 patents in the field of data and distributed systems and was recognized by the US government for her exceptional contributions to her field. She currently serves on the advisory board of Women Who Code. Outside of work, she pushes hard to nurture multiple passions. She is a licensed private pilot, has traveled solo to over 50 countries, has studied interior design in Berkeley School of Design, and is a big mental health advocate. Welcome, Mansi. Welcome. We really are very excited about you joining this podcast today with us. Thank you for having me, Rashmi. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, Mansi, um, you know, today this podcast, we're so excited to learn more about you. And I, I would really like to hear from you. So to start with, Mansi, can you tell us more about your career journey? Sure. Um, so I started my uh career in storage from IBM Research. That's where I was first hired into after my school. And I actually had an embedded systems background uh, in my school as a researcher, but I chose to go to IBM Research because it just feels like the mecca of uh, distributed databases and all of the data services. So uh, having spent about four years there, then I joined VMware as a very early engineer uh, on a new storage technology that VMware was conceptualizing back in the day. And now it's it's called vSAN. It's the HCI uh, hyperconverged storage solution from VMware and is like a multi-billion dollar industry in its own. Um, so I joined there. I eventually led a whole bunch of efforts within vSAN. And one thing I feel about that part of my career, I feel like it was the best four years of my life when we were building vSAN, is because all of the young engineers that we were on the team, we just had this completely uh, undisputed faith in what we were doing. And Anytime you're working on something that is a bit disruptive, that's sort of cutting edge, having that faith is what really lets you go through the hardship that's necessary to get out to the other side of it. So that sort of was the fun part of being in that early stage of vSAN. I made some really good friends back then as my, who were my colleagues, some 
mentors, some people who still champion me till date. So it was a very, very rewarding few years. And then I left and went to a startup that was not a lot of fun. And I came back to VMware. I've led several different uh, storage and data initiatives after that within VMware. And uh, right now, uh, I'm mostly focused on sort of sassifying our storage and data portfolio. So uh, really thinking about how do you go into this next phase of, um, of where the world of storage is going. And I feel like I've not had many jumps in my career, but the few that I've had internally and externally have always been sort of the inflection point of growth. And that's probably true for every single person who makes a change where you try and over pivot on your strengths, you realize that that's not enough, and you have to go in and really sort of take a hard look and learn new skills, learn new, reframe your thinking. And that's really sort of a um, good ground for growth. So that's a little bit about how I am, where I've come on all these years. Oh, wow. That is amazing, Mansi. I think building Visa and... Uh... Is, I mean, that should have been a truly amazing experience, right? From the scratch. I'm I'm so happy that, uh, you know, you got those. I mean, you just got to do what you did. Um, thank you. And moving to our next question. What are the phases of the IC that led to your leadership role? That's a very good question. Um, to start with, maybe I want to debunk the myth that the only way to get a leadership role is to be a manager. Yes, being a manager definitely opens up a whole bunch of different avenues, but that's not the only way to do it. And I can talk a little bit about how, uh, what my journey looked like. Like when I was much younger and a junior engineer, I think entire focus of my uh, work was how do I produce the best possible, best quality code for the given task? And how do I try and just understand what is this little thing that I'm trying to do that someone else has conceptualized? You go a little further from there and you start asking lots of why questions in those early days and start understanding sort of the bigger ecosystem, technical ecosystem in which a product sits. You see the touch points, you see how it interacts with other uh, products or things within your, uh, within your stack. And you try and start offering advice or ideas on how to do something better, how to improve quality, how to improve performance, how to do something. I think the next phase from there is a small leap into the business world. And my few years at the startup that I mentioned, that actually really helped me reframe my mindset on this one, where you start thinking a little bit more about what is the core business that your company is in? What, is, what are your sales channels? How is this product getting to the market? How are customers interacting with it? What are the incentive structures even of the sales teams that are trying to sell this? All of this actually adds to um, what you should and should not build within your product. Uh, typically, this kind of thinking usually comes from your product leaders, your management, uh, the business leaders. 
but as someone who has very strong technical understanding of the product, very strong technical background, the ideas you put forth on the table as an IC are actually taken far more seriously because they're far more realistic. You actually know what you're talking about. So I feel like true leadership is maybe not so much possible if you just put down your head and just want to write code, which is a fair way to you know, uh, live your technical life. But if you want to have that bigger impact, then trying to figure out how you can mix this business and technical mindset and how can bring most value from that angle to the organization really, really has is impactful. And then the second phase of leadership or the second aspect is people. And you don't really have to be a manager to take care of people in your team, support them cherish them and make them feel like uh, you know their their work is contributions are worthwhile so all that you can just do as a human being it doesn't have to be a title that dictates that so yeah you can really really be extremely effective as an ic if you just are a bit vigilant and think about what you're contributing wow Thank you so much. I think that's a great uh, that's a great message. Being vigilant. Thank you. Um, so moving on to our next question, we know that you have strong technical background. So do you follow a routine to update your skills? Um, so I don't participate in the very typical hustle culture that's that's you know common in the valley and in the technical field. I have too many interests to constantly hustle technically, but yes, I actually do spend at least 20 to 25% of my uh, time to keep myself abreast of what's happening in the industry, of what new things are coming up, where I need to keep my focus, especially because I do look after a fairly broad portfolio now. I have to sort of stay broad and understand what's happening podcasts on my run, uh, books during the evening, a, uh, lots of online reading. And for some few things that I want to go really deep into, I would take an online class. But a lot of companies, especially VMware, has like almost $5,000, I think, that they sponsor for you to sort of keep upskilling. So if your company gives you that, go for it, take advantage. That's like the best thing you can do for yourself. You always need to be self-serving. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That was awesome. Um, our next question, why do you enjoy working in system space? And is it still an interesting area for new grads to explore? Well, so, why I enjoy being in systems is a bit counterintuitive, maybe, I don't know. Um, for me, I think uh, I'm a bit of a control freak. So I need to really understand the full stack of software that I'm working against. And if I start taking lots and lots of unknown dependencies, it starts making me quizzy as to not knowing how to, what are the limits of the system? How is the memory being handled underneath? What's actually happening? 
not knowing all that, I mean, I'm getting better and better at it, I'll, I'll, I'll admit, but uh, that was one of the key reasons why I um, why I focus so much on systems for, for all of my earlier days. Like, it just helps me understand the uh, intricacies. For example, I was uh, learning about Pandas, the data science library that's commonly used these days, Python library. And I went one day uh, trying to sort of functionally understand it before stopping and saying, okay, I need to really understand how they do memory management underneath. What are their looping constructs? Because if I don't understand that, I don't know when I can use this and when I need to move to something like Spark to for my workload. So it's just, yeah, I think it's a boon and a curse in some sense as to why I like this. Uh, the second part of your question was, is this still a good field? Well, you tell me, we are creating thousands and thousands of petabytes of data every single day. So it absolutely is a super thriving field for anyone who wants to be in data. Now, as a whole, systems also has lots of interesting stuff. There's the networking and the computer and all the other things. But if you ask me just about even data and storage, there's a lot of fun things happening here. Um, every single day, there is uh, the storage companies are pushing heavily on uh, the performance and capacity limits of the actual drives that we get. Just this morning, I read that where by 2025, a single gig is going to cost one cent. So that's like, you, you think about these are really giant leaps in the core storage technology. So there's a lot of innovation that happens in the file and block level uh, storage systems that sit just right on the hardware. But these days, I think the more fun work is one level up in the data engines that are getting built on top of this file and block level where for different kinds of workloads, are you trying to run a very high latency, uh, sorry, uh, latency optimized workload? Are you trying to uh, do something which doesn't need very high consistency, but your availability is really, really critical? Are you trying to run large data analytics? What are you trying to do with this data that you have? Uh, ends up dictating what kind of underlying systems you are going to use. Are you going to use an object store? Are you going to use a message queue? Are you going to use a structured, non-structured database, OLAP, OLTP? All of that comes from your workload. But the people who are actually building these um, database systems, for lack of a better word, the amount of innovation that these guys are doing to, um, to be able to process this ever-expanding data is, is insane. And it's all a lot of it is happening in open source. So one can just go in, uh, you know, start contributing right now, if you will. I know I'm sort of giving you a long answer, but I'm so excited about this space that I have to continue. So uh, one level above these systems is where you actually think about infrastructure and how do you manage all of this data, like all of these data systems? How do you make sure that the data is resilient, is available, is cross-geo-replicated, is um, backed up and the systems updated? So this is all sort of part of the data management space. And, and the hot trend there is all the SaaS services that are coming out 
like Kafka as a service, Mongo as a service, Blah as a service. That is super, super hot right now, especially across multi-clouds where people want you to be able to run the same workload on all three big clouds or on-prem. And that's also one of the things that, that I am really focused on trying to figure out how do you do this multi-cloud space. So honestly, I didn't even touch the tip of the iceberg, which is actual data science, where the insights come from. But just below that, there is so much plethora of innovation and good work that's happening that, yeah, definitely. I mean, this is a fun place to be. Thank you, Masi. You know what? <laughs> um, the nice, long, detailed answer that you gave me shows your passion and interest in, you know, the whole subject. Thank you so much. I'm sure uh, folks who are going to watch this video are definitely going to love Explore Data Science Systems. Uh, thank you so much. So moving on to our next question. In terms of an environment with diverse people and thoughts, can you talk about uh, a challenge you had to overcome during your career? Okay, so I'm I'm smiling because um, the system space tends to tends to usually be a fairly male dominant uh, space. At least when I started. 10, 15 years back, it, it was quite fairly male dominant. And um, I don't think that was ever, ever a problem for me. That has never even crossed my mind that that was a challenge. But I say that because I feel in any group of people, you need to figure out what, what are your core strengths that you can bring and outshine or can actually contribute, differentiate and contribute to the group. Um, very quickly, as I started working in the space, I realized that I'm not like most of the other engineers in the space who like to like spend hours and hours trying to find how to improve, uh, say the CPU performance by five cycles or how to squeeze out last 10 bytes of memory. I mean, that's all fun work, but that just was not something I was too deep into. And I realized one of my strengths is actually understanding the big picture of various complex components and figuring out how to put them together in an impactful way. How do you rally and network people actually together behind a common sort of technical goal which is not, I would say, a strength I was seeing commonly amongst the people I was working with. And instead of trying to be something I was not and trying to sort of spend hours and hours trying to become an engineer that the, of a kind that I was not, I rather completely pivoted on my strength. And I became this person who... I was the go-to person when something had to be put together, when multiple teams had to be worked together or any of that. So, you know, you have to think like, what can you do that is you? That is actually going to be uh, both useful for the group and make you successful. So I, I won't say this was a challenge, but the, the diversity aspect of it, like I was not like the others and that's not because I'm a woman, it's just because we all are individuals 
So I think it's it's a fun thing for anyone to think about, like how can I differentiate? How can I bring a differentiating value to this? Awesome, awesome. Yes, uh, you know, the way you told it now, I feel like going back, sitting and thinking what, uh, you know, differentiating value I can bring to myself and the place I belong to. Thank you so much. <laughs> Uh, this question, I'm sure this is going to be very special and close to your heart. I'm going to now ask about um, VMware. So what brought you to VMware and your current role? Um, what brought me to VMware was the fact that um, they were kicking off this small little project called vSAN. And a couple of very senior people from VMware convinced me, brainwashed me, and told me this is the best thing that can happen to me right now, and I should just do it. Uh, so yeah, I got brainwashed, and I jumped in. And I have never looked back. I feel like this company is part of my identity. It has given me so much in terms of people, values, culture, growth. Uh, everything like very commonly i get asked you've been here 10 years why are you still here like that's not a common thing in the valley i'm here because i'm happy i'm here because i'm growing and i'm here because i really really believe in the company so yeah that is my little love story with vmware <laughs> Thank you. And you know what? I am really going to say this. I love you for saying this. Never look back. I think that's something that, um, you know, I keep thinking about now and then, but it's but it's not easy, right? So that's that's kind of rehydrating and that's a great value. Thank you so much. Um, so can you talk about what you're passionate about apart from work? Oh, yes. I mean... You you already mentioned a whole bunch of those things in my intro, but uh, for sure. So um, I travel a lot. I literally run off every single opportunity I get. Um, then I um, I'm a licensed pilot. I fly. I race cars. I do lots of interior design for myself, for my friends, for my parents, for anyone who would let me. Uh, I love gardening and I love uh, volunteering for things that I'm truly passionate about. And there are a few, but mental health these days is one of my sort of biggest passion area. And I really, really like working there on that one. But to answer your question in a more traditional work-life balance kind of way, um, I don't have kids and it's a, it's a personal choice, but I have many other things that, uh, you know, I need to sort of nurture. And I, I feel like this is my philosophy, very personal. Uh, I'm just going to say it the way it is that I live my life in phases. There, there is a time when I will just be heads down in work and I'm working 16 hours a day. And it's probably because I'm close to a big release or a big breakthrough personally for myself or whatever it is, right? And then there are phases when I have to just sort of take a break and go do something else. And that something else can be anything for people, like it's taking care of kids, family, just going on a vacation. But for me, it's usually either travel or learning a new skill. Like 
I have taken multiple three or four month sabbaticals in my career so far, multiple to travel, to do go backpacking. And every single time I was warned by people, uh, especially managers, that I am making a huge mistake. I will never be able to pick up uh, where I left off. I'm hurting my career. And I'm here to tell you none of that is true. Not, none of that happened because I came back with so much more vigor. And I lived some of the best days of my life on those backpacking trips. So am I going to give up on that to like, you know, constantly just chase one thing? Or am I going to balance my life out? So I feel like it's it's not a sprint. It's more like a marathon. It's okay to take your foot off the pedal once in a while. Go do something that you truly want to do is nice. If you reach your professional goal, maybe a year later, honestly, nothing changes. And, you know, it's all about that journey. It's all about constantly doing stuff that you actually truly care about and want to do and not just like, being in a rut that's that means awesome awesome thank you so much and uh, when you were talking you mentioned about mental health so do you want to tell us a little more about your own mental health journey sure um this is obviously very very personal to me and I have though recently uh, decided to become a very vocal sort of advocate for people taking care of their mental health. And it's for two reasons. One, I feel is it, I don't know who's listening to this right now who might actually benefit from hearing my story. And just that if one person benefits, that's, that is a huge return to me personally. But also we need to destigmatize to a good extent this whole mental health thing. Um, for example, if I had like a physical element, I would not think so much before bringing it up with a few colleagues at work and say that, hey, you know what, I have this heart condition for which I might have to take a few days off or whatever. That's still considered far more okay than me coming in and saying, you know what, I just need two days off right now because I need a mental break. Um, but anyway, going back to my personal story and um it's like i said a very individual thing i don't know if what helped me will help others but one thing i want to say is if you try and figure out the right tools there very much is light at the end of this tunnel i have suffered from depression for almost all of my life uh it was from my childhood in fact and it was what they say clinical so it was not like triggered by something but it's still suffering nonetheless and finally i feel like i found some sort of set of tools uh that have let me come to a bit to the other side so yes dreams aspirations career success everything can coexist with depression and anxiety and whatever else you might be feeling, but just find the right help for yourself. For me, it was a great set of supportive colleagues, a bunch of mentors who always questioned my 
sometimes dysfunctional thoughts and sometimes stop me from self-sabotaging myself. A really good therapist, really, really, I'm so lucky to have her. And meditation, exercise, all of those things, but whatever it is, whatever is this combination, don't give up on yourself. Really, don't fight this alone. There is a lot of help out there. If you want to talk to me, message me on LinkedIn or whatever else, and I will help. But don't fight this alone. And there is so much, so much hope on the other side. So, yeah, this is personal, but this is important. This is so, so important, especially if we live in such a stressful and extremely competitive environment in tech that having more people be advocates for uh, for just taking care of each other and you know being it's okay to prioritize yourself over all your career aspirations people who say that it's it's important to me and uh, so yeah i am right now trying to do a lot of different things to try and help in this space wow Thank you, Mansi. Thank you so much for sharing your story. You know what? Um, I don't know. I I, I really feel, um, I, I'm not sure how to express it, but you know how you said we really need to talk and share and you want to be that person who would like to listen. I think that means a lot to all of us because, you know, it's, I mean, not everyone can actually listen to what others are going through. So thank you so much. It's so nice that you want to support the community. Uh, thank you. Yeah, and I really mean it. Like, if you can't find someone to talk to, I'm here. And I don't know how we'll share my information, but I'm sure the podcast has some way of reaching out to my LinkedIn profile. Just DM me. Yeah. Definitely. Really very nice of you. Thank you. Um, so uh, my next question, I would like to know what are your pro tips for women in technology? Okay, this one's easy. Um First, these are my pro tips, okay, first of all. Uh, but first is be yourself, play your strengths. Don't try to be someone you're not. Don't try to push yourself in a square hole if you're a round peg. Just bring your truest, genuine self and see how much you can shine by doing that. Second, This is kind of a low level thing, but I, I see this so often. Don't be scared of asking questions in meetings, on Slack, in emails, and whatever. Like I can assure you, everyone else is just as confused most of the times as you are. So the only thing that can happen by you asking a question is you become, you have a better understanding of the whatever the technical situation or not technical situation. Others also benefit. And next time you ask better questions. So there is no dumb question. Like literally do not be scared of asking questions. I ask a lot of questions um, and it has helped me a lot. And my last pro tip, pro tip is fight for yourself. No one, you'll have champions, you'll have mentors, you'll have all these people, but no one is going to fight for you the way you can fight for yourself. Don't fall into this victimhood and my manager did this and the organization did that. And it's all it's all part of the game. This is the game we are playing. 
we need to be there for ourselves more than anyone else. And there is no shame in fighting for yourself. So that's my three pro tips. And they apply to women and non-women. This has nothing to do with women. But this, this really applies for everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Mansi. You know what? I really loved all your tips. And the last one is so, so, so special to me because I think fighting for ourselves is so important in this journey of life. I mean, irrespective of work, career, yeah. personal life, wherever. So I think that's that's such an amazing tip. Thank you so much. And uh, I think this was uh, the whole session, you know what? I think I learned so much from you and uh, you're such an amazing mentor. And I think, uh, thank you so much, Mansi. Thank you so much you're for that. You are making me blush. Thank you though. I'm, I'm really glad. <laughs> I truly enjoyed this session with you. So I'd really yeah. like to thank um, women who code for this opportunity to you sure. know organize this podcast with you. And I'd also like to thank... Uh, VMware for having you here today with us and thank you most of all so you know for being here being authentic sharing your tips and journey experiences with all of us thank you thank you Mansi thank you for listening to the women who code podcast to find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash womenwhocode. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate, and comment.